Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. Good evening and welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. My name is Humoto Matunyane. It's exactly one minute past seven o'clock. Welcome to KFM 95.9. Conversation today is a little hard, um, as you would have imagined from listening to, quite frankly, any number of radio stations. This one in particular, the big issue of the day being that we're faced with this huge issue of gender-based violence. We've got these Afrophobic attacks that are taking place all around the Gauteng region and it's incredibly frustrating and we're going to be having a conversation particularly about gender-based violence um, and if you want to participate in the conversation please feel free to give us a, an, a call. Our telephone number being 086-0000-959. That's 86 959. You would have heard the news by now, potentially, if you didn't hear my throw forward with um, John Perlman. There's another story that came out in the last 24 hours, this time out of KwaZulu Natal. And this is just a story that we're learning about, that we're reading about, where a father killed three of his own children, one stepchild, and assuming that it is all to spite his partner. And um, the murder of a UCT student last week, a whole known boxing champion. Can you imagine if a boxing champion who did have a restraining order against her boyfriend, who is a police person um, and was killed by her partner? So this is clearly something that's a little bigger than us. And unfortunately, the noise will die down as everybody relaxes and there's a new crisis that comes up in the country. But today, this is what we want to talk about. And I'm really interested in sharing your views. But I'm going to be joined by a very special guest or two particularly special guests. Um, right now, being joined by Martina Motawong. Martina, welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay, KG. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. And so you're exactly my age, Martina. Um, you're 47 <laughs> right now. But yes. something happened to you when you were 32 that completely yes. changed the trajectory of your life. Please tell us about it. I, I was on my way from, from work, um, where I was raised by a taxi driver in 2004. And after my rape, I got infected with HIV. And um, the following year, I was infected with, I mean, it was diagnosed with pulmonary TB. The other year, 2006, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. 2007, it was the shingles all over my body. And I wish that's where um, the suicidal thinking came in. And how were, did you go to the police after the rape happened? Yes, I went to, to the police. The case was open. The culprit was arrested. Uh, all the precautions were followed. Uh, I was taken to the clinic. Uh, and he went. He was arrested I think, in the early morning of uh, Sunday because it happens on Saturday. And he went to court on Tuesday. You know, our law sometimes it sometimes fails us. And after he appeared in court, he says that that thing that says, Innocent until proven guilty is the one that is killing us uh, internally. Right. Um, he was he was out in bail, and believing none of the uh, a, a private investigating officer was, was updating us with the whole information as to what happened in court, uh, what is the procedure, what is the process now up until the the get that law. But you know, change sometimes God has got a way of giving us justice. Unfortunately, the guy passed on the same year. Hmm. 
And do you know how he passed on? He was sick. He was sick. So you do know and believe that he was the one who infected you with HIV? Yes, Martina, how did, did you, how did you deal with it? So you're dealing with the justice system, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. It's great that somebody was actually arrested um, um, on your behalf, um, even though the, uh, the subject uh, may have subsequently um, died. But how did you start piecing the pieces of your life together? Not only are you raped, but now you've got this added challenge where you find yourself HIV positive. Can you please repeat yourself again? What, how did you start rebuilding your life after the rape, particularly when you know now you're dealing with the rape, you're dealing with the fact that the perpetrator died, which means you actually get no justice, but like you said, it's some kind of justice. How did you start rebuilding your life, especially after finding out that you've got an additional challenge, which is now having HIV? It, it was so difficult, but the most important thing is that I did receive um, a good moral support from my family and my close friends. But it took, it took me t- some time for me to, to be myself again. I think over seven years um, in, in, um, in, in, in denial, I need to accept the way I am. But after seven years, then I then realized that why can't I make peace with myself and move on with my life? Because here I am, I'm still living and alive, taking my treatment as I'm supposed to. And um, in terms of uh, Martina, in, uh your life now and when you read about other women who have been victims of gender-based violence does that trigger you how does that make you feel does it make you feel helpless or do you feel more fortified to do something it, it pains me especially after hearing um the death of um uh the the, the lady from from kids that and uh, i mean the lady the death of uh, those four kids who were killed by Ayako Giana from Tizet and mm. Pine Town. Mm. Uh, it has opened um, a lot of uh, old wound in me that um, where is the justice now? Because sometimes you find that the person has committed an offense whereby uh, you end up allowed telling about it and the government is aware of the problem and at the end of the day the person goes to jail yes because he has to instead of of the mob justice lady that's to keep the person safe. But at the end of the day Life has been have been um, lost. Right, Martina. How would you, if the police were to say to you, please come and be a, our advisor as to how we could change in the way that we treat um, people who come with complaints of rape, who have been victims of rape? What would you advise the police to do in addition to what they may be doing already? The advice is uh, the police must stop taking everything for granted. You know, uh, previously when when people go to to stop or to join a law enforcement, uh, they, they were going there because of passion. But now most of them, when I'm looking at them, is no longer passion. It's because I need something to put on the table. But mm-hmm. if you can be driven, go back and be driven by passion, you will be it will be easy for you to help the people who are helpless for need your service and your help. Mm-hmm. Martina, and what about your family? Did you have your family support then? Do you have it now? Um, what, is, what role does your family play and how it plays in this tragedy that happened to you that you were able to overcome? Uh, today when we talk about it, we end up laughing, but people it was so difficult to laugh about it. Um, I think they like the strength that I'm having and I always tell them that I'm, I'm where I am because of your support. 
and the courage that you used to give it to me. Mm. They've played a major role in my in my life. If it was not for my family and my close friends and my relatives, I wasn't going to be where I am today. And, and the other thing, KG, acceptance, you need to accept your situation because if not me, then who? Mm. It did occur to me to ask you, actually, did you ever think at some point, but why me? Why would this happen to me? Those questions, the questions that I always, I, I used to ask myself the why questions, but basically, if you can visit the why questions, you won't get answers at all. Mm. You also just to pick up the pieces and build a puzzle and work on, on, on it. And then you will recover one way or the other, not mm. you. And God can make, can make uh, take you from general to December and send you to take you from, from shame to fame. Mm, mm, mm. Give us a call if you want to participate in this conversation. 086-0000-959. I'm joined here by Martina Usmesi Montaung, who was raped when she was 32 and got infected with HIV. My other guest on the line is a clinical psychologist, Kosi Gianni, who needs absolutely no introductions. Kosi, welcome to... Un- Hi, good evening. Welcome to Sidebar with Cindy, not Uncaptured. Uh, thank you so much. Because you were listening to our conversation right now. Yes, I, I listened a little bit to the tail end of it. I don't know how you are feeling. You're a clinical psychologist. We're a nation yes. in mourning. We're a nation in pain. Can you explain the pathology or, or the psychology, for that matter, of what is happening in our country right now when it comes to issues of gender-based violence? I was saying this morning, I I have no way of making sense of what's going on in our country at the moment. It, there is so much insanity going on that I'm asking myself, what has happened to the mind of South Africa? And one thing I said was that as a country, we are such an unparented child. We thought that democracy was the answer. We thought that the apartheid era is behind us. We are now looking forward to a new era um, under the new government. Sure. However, it seems as if we, we are a country that's like an unparented child that is running amok mm. senselessly. There is nothing... You know, the center cannot hold at this moment. You have no way of saying, where is the normalcy in mm. our country? Mm. And I know that it does exist in pockets, but there is such an overwhelming sense of things that are not making sense at the moment. Without a doubt. And here's the thing, Kosi, the majority of murder victims in this country are adult men, all right? The perpetrators of this violence is black men killing black men, is a black man killing black women. So it's a, it's a much bigger problem and it's certainly not one that only affects women. But my question is, how do we even so i was left with an overwhelming feeling of hopelessness the last few days when i wake up there's a hopelessness that sort of befalls me how do we start we know that the biggest issue i would say that is we need to address is black men in particular men Mm -hmm. in general and black Mm -hmm. men in particular Mm. what 
is it and I know there's frustrated men listening who are saying but I'm not a rapist but I'm not that or I want to do something do you have any plan of action of what is it practically that men can do to start trying to address this if anything at all do we have a best practice of different countries that have maybe been able to successfully been able to change this around I don't know of any country um, as particularly at this moment uh, as we speak that has had the kind of um, the extent to which we have had gender-based violence mm. at the moment. Mm. Uh, but I know that we need vision. We need leadership. We need, uh, and, and I'll go back to the word parenting. Right. Because as a young country, as a young democracy, we come from a very tight-fisted uh, dispensation to utter freedom and the, the sense that anybody can do anything yeah. that they want and they can get away with it. Mm. So, so we need a sense of cohesion. We need a sense of vision that needs to filter through the different layers of the psyche, the collective psyche of the country, mm. through each and every one of us. And it doesn't help when the leaders of the country keep quiet in a moment like this. Mm. And it feels as though it it comes across as though nobody cares Mm. at the moment. So we don't have parents who can lead us. Exactly. Exactly. It's like kids are crying and there is no parent to turn to. And it is... as you're saying right now, it is us, the groundswell people, that are sending petitions around of mm. all manner mm. to, mm. To, to, to grapple with the extent of an issue that we are not able to make sense of ourselves. Mm. Mm. But at the end of the day, I also want to say that these people come from a home, mm. at least from a house of sorts. Mm. something is happening in the homes or something is drastically not happening in the homes. Mm. 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 And it, it, it then draws distinction between a house and a home that we don't have homes anymore. Mm. Mm. Because there's a difference between a house and a home. Right. We are growing up in houses and not homes anymore. And I'm not sure if part of it is just a continuation of the scourge of of the devastation of HIV, but, but also the cultural degradation mm. and the social cultural predation that we are seeing mm. amongst each other. You know, we, we can preach the concept of Ubuntu and you ask yourself, where is it right now? Mm. Because this is the time when we need to see it. Mm. But it is happening amongst the people who you know, above all, talk about Ubuntu mm. as Abandu. This mm. is when we need to demonstrate it. And we, have, we are the people that show it the least, that experience it the least for ourselves and with each other. 
I am in conversation with clinical psychologist Kosi Gianna as well as Osmesi Mutawung who was raped when she was 32. She's 47 now and at the time got infected with HIV. Do you have a story to tell? Are you feeling as hopeless and helpless as I am? Which is not a great place to be because it almost makes you inactive and makes you not want to do anything. So I'm really wanting something that will make me feel a little more hopeful for all of us to be able to somehow be able to move move forward in a positive way. The conversation, if you want to give us a call, is on 86 and our SMS line 36959. You can also join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag KayaFMTalk. I want to bring Osmartina back um, into the conversation. Osmartina, you heard about uh, we, uh, me talking to Oskosi, a clinical psychologist. First of all, did you by any chance also get um, psycho- psychiatric help um, after the rape and um, your infection? Yes, I did. I did receive uh, counseling, but um, you know, even if they can counsel you, if you don't want to take it, it won't work for you. You need to start by counseling yourself and accept your situation before someone can tell you what to do. Mm. Which is what I did for a lot of people, Martina, will tell women like, don't walk alone at night, don't drink too much, don't do this. There's a lot of rules about what women should do and not do. Considering where you come from, is there anything, quite frankly, you could have done or is um, to prevent the situation? Or is there a different kind of messaging that we should all be a bit more responsible when we're talking about this to put the blame, quite frankly, where it belongs? <laughs> You know, you know, KG, um, I always have a question of saying, where is a girl, child, or a woman supposed to be safe? This is our country, democratical one. Mm-hmm. But no one is free. No one is safe. You can say you can be safe at home, but even at home, you can't be safe. Our uncles, our cousins are raping us. Our neighbors are raping us at school, at church, everywhere. You can you can take example of um, Francis Rasuhe. Mm-hmm. She was raped by by partner. Right. Uh, you can check even Yulisi Milani. She was raped because of, of, of her sexual sexuality. So no one is safe. And we are pleading because I've heard um, doctors saying that um, our, our leaders are saying nothing about it. That's true. I was watching the news today. They are saying nothing about it. And I think they won't say anything because it's not happening to them. But my plea is for them. Let us all get together and fight this thing together. Alone we cannot win it. Let all stakeholders, governments, sectors, political organizations, organizations, other other organizations come back together and fight this thing. Maybe we can win it. Yeah. In conversation with Martina Mutaung and clinical psychologist Kosi Gianni. Dr. Cindy is not here today, so you're having a sidebar with Cindy, but with me, Humoto Matsunyani. And taking your calls, we are talking about the issue of gender based violence and the shocking absolutely earth-shattering news that we keep hearing every single day about something new that has now happened. We've read the story now. A KwaZulu-Natal man accused of hanging hanging this is how this man decided to kill three of his biological children and a stepdaughter it's also in the manner i'm like what is going on after you hang the first child after the second 
I don't know, guys. Anyway, we're taking your calls. 86 And my guests are Kosi Gianni, who is a clinical psychologist, and Martina Mutawungo, who is a rape victim and also ended up with HIV as a result of the attack. Taking your calls, Shamiso Tlachwayo, who's on the road. Welcome to Sidebar with Cindy, Shamiso. Hi, Hi Okomoto, and to your guests. Um, my, my issue is that I don't think our system, the systems that we use in South Africa are designed to assign any value to us as human beings, as black people and as human beings. Just let me give you a, a, a scenario of a typical day in the life of a black person in this country. You wake up in squalor, you live in squalor, you take a taxi, and it's, 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 a very, it's, a, it's not a very dignifying experience. Mm. And you have to go to work every morning, stand in a line, which is not very dignifying, go to a dirty taxi rank that smells like, like human excrement. And you still, and you have to, and the, those services of taking a taxi are provided by people who are okay to work under those conditions where they, they work, they, they come there every day and they live in that and they eat in that human excrement. Mm. And it's the same thing where they live in the squatter camp. So how is that as a human being, do you assign value to yourself and you wake up and you, and you, you can live a healthy life and have a healthy image of yourself? You know what I wonder though, Shamiso, I appreciate your sentiment, but I wonder, there are some countries that are so much poorer than South Africa, so much more squalor, so to speak, but the pathology of the mind is not quite there. You don't find men randomly just killing women and raping like that. What do you think that might be all about? I think because in our, in our societies that the, the inequality is so stark, mm. that one, one you, 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 you're constantly having to question your identity in, in relation to an otherness. Mm. There's always an otherness. So I think there's, 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 there's some kind of dysmorphia that might, that might exist. Shamiso Tlachoy, who's on the road, thank you so much for joining us. Lesejo in Joburg, hello and welcome, number nine. Welcome. Now, how, are how are you, ma'am? Well, I'm very well, thanks. Sitting in for um, Dr. Cindy today. What's your story, Lisa? Can you relate to something that Martina Mutawung said? Um, yes, very much so. Um, I was uh, raped at the age of 18 in broad daylight by somebody I knew very well mm. and um, who was uh, in my circle of friends. And um, unfortunately, growing up in a home where there was no dialogue, there was no openness with my parents, mm. I was never able to go back home and uh, tell them what happened to me. And I had to grow up with that mm. and uh, keep it in until I got married, where in my husband, I was able to say to him, look, this is what I went through. Um, this is what happened to me. If anything, that actually gave me a thick skin mm. to say, you know what, you are much bigger than this, you are much stronger than that. I did not know it at that time. But when now that I'm married and as a wife, I realized that it actually made me strong. Mm. Uh, subconsciously, it was a decision that I made that this was not going to define me. And for me, my biggest thing, um, KG, is that Men, there is no conversation at home, not only with girls, but with boys as well at home. Mm. Boys are treated as, you know what, you just grow up, you're a boy. And there is no conversation. Parents are not having the conversation with their children, especially black parents. Mm. 
Mm. It's only maybe in my generation as a mother that I'll sit down with my kids knowing what I went through. But in my generation, parents did not, are not having that conversation with boys. As a result, they pick up things on the street and they just assume that is the right thing to do or that is an acceptable thing to do. And it's okay. You know, I I suspect that your story is a little too common. So you never actually told anybody until you got married. You never went to the cops. You never told your parents because you just didn't tell anybody. What did that do to your psyche? And how desperate were you to tell your husband? So it's like, was it something that is just like, I just have to tell somebody? Or what, what led to you ultimately trusting your partner enough to say, listen, this happened to me and you need to know about it? I think subconsciously, I had the thing that First of all, this person, like I said, it was a circle of friends. And um, the one person at that time that I did try to tell, they never believed me. So already that just caused a stumbling block and I just completely shut down. If anything, I was so scared of being a laughing stock amongst people. So I made a conscious decision of um, just keeping my mouth shut and then when I found somebody, when I married my husband, and it was somebody that I could trust wholeheartedly, I was then able, but even then I realized that this was a cry. I was still hurting unconsciously, and I needed to get it out. Mm, mm. And that is how I, I actually got to tell my husband. But like a lot of women, because I can relate, when you have to go and relate a story to somebody else, Mm. And the person, the fear of not being believed Mm. and the fear of having somebody say to you, you know what, it was you. Mm. And when I know in my knowing, and I can't really tell you that in my knowing, I did not want that. I Mm. said no, and he just wouldn't. Thank you so much for your call, Lesejo in Johannesburg. You are listening to Sidebar with Cindy with me, Khomotsa Matsunyane. Dr. Kosi, please come in at this point. We are hearing um, Lesejo saying about that the first person that she tells does not believe her. And there's so many times where I've actually had to reconfigure my mind, you know, before where you might just, where I might have thought people are innocent until proven guilty. Because of the sheer scale of what is going on, I have decided rather to on the other side I will apologize mm. to you if you're not a rapist I will apologize to you if you did not mm. commit this gender based violence but I had mm. to decide from this moment moving forward here's what you Khomoso are going to do you're going to believe women can mm. we talk about just believing in women and what it means for people not to believe you if you try to speak out the first time sure you know this is this is one of the biggest hurdles in dealing with any of of these traumatic experiences for many, many women. And, you know, Lesejo was so brave to share her story, but also brave enough to get to a point where she, as she says, she decided it's not going to define me. Mm -hmm. And and I think that became the, 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 the part that liberated her to be able to trust her husband enough to be able to speak about it. Mm -hmm. But the, the disbelief, there is a sense that there is that, sense that pervading sense that there must be something that a woman has done Mm, mm, mm. and it is as though men are these innocent people and women are seen and 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 i'm sorry to say that part of it has resonance with 
the Adam and Eve story. Mm. It began, the, the, it, it has resonance in that it, it is, Adam was innocent until mm. Eve, the temptress. And so that story continues to find itself in so many pockets of experiences that women are subjected to. Mm. There's always the trickery. You are always the one that needs to prove your innocence. And there's so many hurdles to proving that Mm. Mm. rather than being believed. And as you say, and part of it is around, if I believe you, I then have to do something. Yes, yes, without a doubt. The responsibility that accrues with believing someone. Mm. Mm. But, But if I don't, we can shut this thing down and pretend it didn't happen. Casper, I see you. Neo, I see you. And I am coming to you. I just want to close off with Sis Martina before we let her go. You just heard what um, Kosigiani was saying about uh, believing. And so many people will let on to the fact that, oh, but what if you this woman is lying? We place so much more emphasis on the rights of men to be innocent than to believing a woman that a man might be guilty. What are your final thoughts on on believing women, um, um, Sis Martina? You know, sometimes uh, if the things were happening to you, you won't feel it. And um, again, I was listening to the social page, and she she said um, her journey didn't define her up until she found that the right person to tell was her husband. Mm. She she told her husband, knowing that you won't stigmatize her, he won't discriminate her. She felt it's the right time to talk about it because. Mm. Uh, everything has got its own time of coming out, irrespective after how long. Um, going back to, to, to the people who have been killed uh, with gender-based violence, I've given you an example of Francis Rafuche, Yudis Melani, Zaida Zabadia, Riz, all of them, most of them are being killed by their partners. Mm. So before I wrap up, I wish um, the government can assist us. Lots of men, I'm not saying all men, lots of men are angry, they've got anger, they don't talk, mm. they take out their anger and their frustration to wrong people. Mm. Hence, um, Mr. Gian from Pine Town decided to kill his, his, his children, but forgetting to Oh, actually, the Durban man who say, Mspusiso um, Mpungose, the one who allegedly killed his uh, four yes, children. Yes, Mspusiso yes, Mpungose. Yes, uh, mm, yes mm. From, from Pine Town. He, he killed all the kids, forgetting to kill himself. Why didn't he kill himself and not kill the kids? Because they are innocent. Right. Yeah. Os Martina Motawong, thank you so much um, for joining us in this conversation and for sharing your story. We've got Newa in Johannesburg joining a sidebar with Cindy. Hello, Newa. How are you doing? Newa? Okay, we'll come back to Newa. Let's try Casper for now. Casper, you also want to talk about the anger that has gripped South African men. What's your comment on this? Yes, uh, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Casper. How are you doing? Fine, fine. Mm. You know, uh, at times I feel ashamed of uh, being a man living in South Africa right now. Really, I think uh, as, as South African men, we've become monsters. And uh, I, I, I feel very ashamed of that. I, I, I'm not a happy man at all about mm. uh, what we are doing as South African men. I feel Uguti. We are the ones who are supposed to, 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 to take care of the women, to protect the women. And I don't know what, what have we become as men in South Africa, seriously. I don't know what, where does this mentality come from. 
Mm. I don't know either, Casper. Let me ask you, like you hang out with men, I'm assuming. What kind of conversations are y'all having with yourself? Do you know people who do weird and funny things or illegal things that you think, hey, when I would this bunny bunny, I do you guys talk to each other? Like, do you really talk to each other? You know, we do, we do talk to each other, uh, we do talk to each other, and sometimes we talk about these things, and in fact, of, uh, in fact, we are encouraging each other to do such horrible things mm. as men. I, sometimes we do encourage each other to, 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 to do these horrible things to women. I don't know, this. Where this, where this mentality comes from, seriously, uh, and I am so pissed off as a man right now. Mm. Seriously, mm. Uh, I really I really don't like what's happening. You that. sound frustrated, Casper. Yes, yes, I, I, I really am. And this mentality, I could write seriously. I agree with it's not, you. It's not good. I would have to agree with you. Thank you so much for your call, Casper. Um, Neo in Naledi, welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. Hi, Homoso, how are you? I'm good, Neo. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. What are your thoughts on this night's topic? Oh, it's a very heavy topic, Homoso, and it is sad, honestly. But I always ask myself, why is it that the nation or South Africa becomes up in arms when something actually happens? Mm. We've had cases like this. It has been like this. I don't know whether is it because we don't have the proper resources I don't know whether is it our justice system failing us? Do we need to have specialized units that will deal with such cases? Mm. I really do not know. But all I know is that something has to be done. Because I think if we find specialized people to actually deal with this, they won't be so piled onto each other and whereby when you you encourage to go and open a case, but at the end of the day, all you get is an investigating officer with hundreds of cases such as yours and a case number. Right. We've never heard of a large number of prosecution, but we hear of large numbers saying we have reported cases. And if anything, a lot of women we know for a fact either are discouraged from going to the police or yes. after going to the police because it's a hell of a thing to prove to accuse another human being. I don't know why people think it's so easy to be like, yeah, what if she's lying? You know, for you to make the effort, Hoyako Police Station will mm. accuse somebody of rape or gender based violence. It's a, hey, you must be prepared, man. It's a, it's a, that, that process is not easy now. I understand. Hence, I'm saying we need to get people that are specialized that can de- that can treat the matter with the respect and dignity that it deserves. Because they re-victimize you again. That's the problem. Mm, it's a very big yeah. one. Neowen lady, thank you very much for your thoughts. Maserame in Johannesburg. Hello and welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. Hi, Um, So, I, I've just been listening to the show and the one thing that I've been thinking about as everything has been happening since the beginning of the week is that I am rather grateful that we live in a society that is teaching women to no longer keep quiet because how do I these things have been happening for generations upon generations. Um, I saw a post recently that said majority of us either know somebody that has been raped or somebody that has raped, someone that has been molested or somebody Mm. that has molested. And you find that in us knowing the doer or 
you actually might just be that person. Mm. And after generations and generations that have taught women to be ashamed, that have taught women to not dress in a certain way, that have taught women to walk in a certain way, to speak in a certain way, to not look at a certain person, to avoid a certain alley, we're now being taught what? Yes, we live in an unsafe world. Yes, we live in a world where unfortunately we also have generations of men that have been taught or in order for you to assert yourself as a man mm. in order for you to be known as a man in order for you to be respected you have to be feared we now live in a world that actually says hey, mm. it, it, it just it can't happen mm. my the saddest thing is that there's still somebody out there who gets to live with their raper in, in, in with the rapist in the house. There's still somebody out there right now is probably listening to the show and thinking to themselves, I still have to go to that house where everybody knows that the father of my child or the father of a child I've aborted or the man that we call in that day or the man that we call Maluma in the house is the man that took my virginity, my sister's virginity, and every single woman in this house, and we can't say anything because Kiana breadwins. Yeah. It, it's still a reality, but I'm just grateful that we live in a society that is finally saying that one is, and I hope that the girls that we're raising right now and the generations that we are still going to give birth to, those that will still come, mm. will come into a different reality. You know, thank you so much for a very emotional call, um, Masrame. I suspect for me, um, the question actually that we ask, that we should be asking South African women is not whether they've ever been raped or experienced gender-based violence, but how many times. And yes, I am speaking from personal experience. You are listening to Sidebar with Cindy. Okay, and I just want to have a last conversation with Sis Kosi uh, Gianne, um, who's a clinical psychologist and who's been with us in conversation for this hour. Kosi, um, before, uh, with the previous caller that I was talking to, I'm like, really, um, yes. I think we should change the question to whether you've been raped. And it's very much the same for men as well. But rather, mm. how many times you've been violated. I think back to the last time I was raped. It was a friend who asked to spend the night because he said he'd had too much to drink. So, okay, I'm just down the street. Let's go there. And next thing you wake up, somebody's in you and you'll be like, did I agree to this? I know there were a couple of glasses of wine and I never told anybody until years later. And I'm mouthy. If there's anything about me, I'm mouthy. Yeah. I'm supposed to yeah. be an activist in this field. I'm yeah. a broadcaster, so I've got a mouth yeah. and a voice. And can you imagine now for everybody else? And I think it's important for me just to declare that because I think half the problem is us walking like broken people who feel like I did something wrong. I know I didn't. I know I was raped and this person was supposed to be a friend who was trusted. So I asked this mm. question of like many of us, including the men who are abusing us, if not especially the men who are abusing us, have mm-hmm. been violent violated before so we're in this pattern not only are we these children who are raising themselves but we have been traumatized um, ourselves Um, do you know what the is it a fair assumption to be like I think we are traumatized and most of us have somewhat been sexually violated um, it is true, and I and I think you know picking up on what, what Umasrame said uh, that we have only now begun to break the silence, um, and it is in breaking that silence that we can liberate ourselves from uh, the victimhood of what has happened to us. Mm. 
And it is true that we, as a country, have been experiencing a lot of trauma. And and I think there is a, a dawning of a reality that is that is settling in the minds of many mm-hmm. and that we are having to grapple with. There was a, a dream that was sold to us as a people. And that dream, we are watching it going up in flames at the moment. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we have not built into us as a society a sense of responsibility. I think in the transition that we made as a country, we, we bent too far out on the mm. side of rights and mm. we have not been having enough conversation about responsibility. Mm. And so we are a country drunk with rights where people think they have a right to do anything. We are a country drunk with the sense of freedom, unfettered freedom, mm. without any concomitant uh, sense of responsibility. Mm. and that trauma will continue until something different happens. Mm. Kosi, have you been watching or um, on Twitter or reading? There's um, a, whole, a couple of uh, um, tweet, uh, Twitter handles that are specifically naming and shaming. Mm. Yep. So you've got somebody who sends a direct message and says, please keep me anonymous. But Khomoto uh, Matsunyani raped me. We're at a party, blah, blah, blah. I don't, have you seen that, um, Dr. Kosi? No, I haven't. No. Okay. And then I, 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 would, I wanted to ask you about, like, you know, mm. um, the repercussions, I suppose, of this. And I'd be interested even from Michael Motsuning Bell of, like, in terms of the legalities. Kosi, mm. there's some big names in there, man. There's some big names with huge mm. allegations. Do you think <laughs> shaming purpose? Perpetrators has some value for us right now? Um, on the one hand, it is allowing the person who has been victimized to give voice and for the person to be known, mm. to have a human face to it. It's not just an incident that happened. There is a person, there is a person who's known and there is a person who can now become knowable, not just to this person, but to everyone else who I mean literally the world if it's on Twitter it's everywhere mm. and so on the one hand there, there is that element however it's not all that needs to happen mm. Mm. there needs to be a conversation that has to happen on both sides of the the, the, the naming right. and so in one sense we can say that this person has been put out for the public to know so in other words perhaps it says to all of us who may perhaps be friends of this person and may have a particular view of this person, right. it gives us another side to who they are and mm-hmm. what they are also capable of that we may not be aware of. And we may innocently and naively be trusting, not knowing what can potentially happen. Sure, sure. So it, in the process, it's able to save other people. However, it also says there's a conversation that needs to happen with this person. So is the law enforcement being uh, in, informed about this? Mm. Has this case been investigated beyond, now that it's been put out there, has it been investigated? Mm. Has this person themselves, beyond going on Twitter, gone to this, the, taking a step further that enables something to be done, hopefully? Right. And I can only say hopefully. hopefully. Because as we all know, it, what we hope for in the justice system isn't always what transpires. That is clinical psychologist Kosi Gianne, and I'm taking your calls for the last six minutes of the show. Zero eight six double zero double zero ninety five nine. Sidebar with Dr. Cindy, brought to you by Komoto Matsunyani. Do me wakusowetu. Welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. It is 
very disheartening, but we cannot afford to be hopeless. Mm. We cannot afford to throw our arms in the air and say, what are we going to do? Until, let's say, just say, all suggestions that have been made are valid. They can be put to test. We can try every means to curb this gender-based violence and all other social evils that are going on in our country. Mm. I just want to put something that I believe we as a community, as families, we need to really own up to conversations in our homes. Mm. If we could go back, switch the TV off for a change, mm. and just call a family meeting and say, here's the situation mm. in the country. We're all looking at it individually from whatever spaces we are in, in mm. the day. Mm. Right now, as we are talking, some people are praying and they will pray and not go back home and have conversation with the children or with the family. Mm. Some people will be in the house and the children are out in the street at this time of the night where all the work and the responsibilities have got to be taken care of. The young ones have escaped to outside to have conversation, to exchange these videos. Right now, family chat groups are exchanging videos. Uh, every social platform. This mm. trauma is just being circulated, circulated, deeply, deeply etching itself into our minds and souls. Mm. I am saying as a mother, until we sit down as families and say, my daughters, my sons, this it's for real. Let it not be that any one of us here in the house will perpetuate mm. what is going on out there. Sure. Sons, men are seen as trash. I did not give birth to trash. You violate a woman, I will take you physically with my hands. I will see to it that you are locked up. Mm. Until we can show tough love, we will be forever victims of our own powerlessness. Thank you so much, Sister Umi um, Wako Soweto, for those encouraging words. She's saying we can't afford to be hopeless. Amanda in Johannesburg. Hello and welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. Hi. Um, how are you, Cindy? It's Komoto. <laughs> Ah, sorry, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you doing? Sorry about that. Thank no you. worries. You know, um, I, you know, the one of the things that I've been thinking about after seeing all of this in the media and everywhere is just that one thing that comes to mind is that we live in a patriarchic system where even in society, where even the religious group, we, we all know that religion is very big in our country, but you go to certain religious groups, and actually all the religious groups, they never talk about gender-based abuse. You find certain religious groups that are also perpetuating the gender-based abuse, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and these are the things that we need to start talking about, but not only talking about them. These are the things that we also need to start teaching the next coming generation that 
if a boy is mean to you, it does not mean that he loves you. It means that he is a bully mm. and you stay away from him. Because right. we're teaching little kids false love because they, that child is going to grow up knowing that emotional abuse is okay. Because that's where it all starts, with emotional mm. abuse and then physical abuse. Right. So we need to start teaching them at a young age. If he's mean to you, he's a bully. Stay away from him. Tell them that you're not going to be your friend. And if a boy, you don't become mean to a girl. If you like a girl, you tell her, you become soft, you become gentle. Yeah. You need to start teaching all of these things. Um, and also, in and for older people, we especially, uh, you know, at a certain, it comes to a certain age where they start going to internet and then watching pornography on, on internet, which teaches them also that they can entitlement over a woman's body because some of those things are graphic mm-hmm. and they, they are like rape. You know, so it teaches false sense of intimacy. Yep, Amanda they, in Johannesburg, thank you so much for your calls. Our last caller for today, Zakaria in Johannesburg. Hello. Hello, ma'am. How are you? Very good, Zakaria. What's on your mind? Uh, it's, it's, it's like uh, we call them, uh, what is it, the killing or gender based violence. Né? But my question is sometimes who stands for men? We only look at one side, but even men themselves, they have anger. Who's yeah, there? Zachariah, you're going to have to, I'm, I, I'm, unfortunately, I, I, thank you for your question. We're talking about women today, so just give us that moment. And when we recover, when women start killing men and mass, maybe, Zachariah, I'll come and entertain your question, but not today. Not today, when we're talking about women, are you going to say, what about men? No man, Zakaria. Hey, in any case, sis Kosi, am I being too hard here um, on Zakaria? Well, I, I understand you, and I understand particularly at this point in time. However, you know, th- there's something to be said about this conversation can cannot be one-sided mm. um, in the sense that we need to heal as a society. Sure. And as much as, as it is men that are the, the perpetrators, we cannot exclude them from this conversation, and and in in saying in you know in saying so, uh, the, the, the comment that you have made, we we and I understand that right now we don't have the time, but it is in saying, can we stay in this conversation with the likes of you? Help us to understand what is going on with yeah. men that we end up in this situation, because these are the people that if we shut them down. They're going to feel frustrated and they're going to take it out on some woman. Hi. Okay, Kosi Jenny, you're the psychologist, so I'm going to have to go with your words. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.